The nail in the coffin! Episode 51 of The Nail, Tom Valentino, Travis Uli, recording on Monday night. Trav, how you feeling? Never better, Tino, never better. It's, uh, it's a big week. Got uh, the game on on Saturday coming up. You know your rivalry is good when uh, in all of college football, you are the game. Yeah, they've used, they've used that title for quite some time. I'm not sure over the last decade it's nef- necessarily lived up to that uh, to that lofty title, but historically obviously it's been up there and it's it seems like it's finally back where it needs to be well uh all the makings of a good one coming up on saturday at high noon and uh thought we would get some help this week uh to talk about it uh, ohio state michigan coming up on saturday bill bender from the sporting news joining us here tonight uh bill was with us as you might recall for uh, the nba finals and bill you're going to be down there in columbus on saturday right I am, yeah, and it's. Uh, I was up in Ann Arbor today for their press conferences. It's uh, like you guys said, it probably hasn't lived up to it since 2006, except for a couple spurts, and now uh, you have the biggest game that we've had since 2006 by far. Um, Bill, before we get into that, and we got so much to talk about about this game. So you are uh, you're covering Ohio State, Michigan this weekend. We talked about you did the NBA Finals over the summer and. We also need to mention that in between then, you were at uh, you were covering the World Series uh, back in October for the Sporting News as well. Do you know, was there anybody else um, that hit that trifecta this year? I don't know. I, well, I know that uh, Todd Jones, a guy with the Columbus Dispatch, we, we do run a lot of the same routes. So I know he didn't do the finals. I was definitely at the finals for game six, game seven of the World Series, and I know it was not the right result for Cleveland fans. That's probably the coolest thing I've ever covered in my life. And uh, I slipped in the Kentucky Derby in there somehow, but you know, and then you get all that. And like the bonus is, you know, my actual beat is college football for us. And, and you get this 10 and one on 10 and one game between, in my estimation, you know, two, two of the best coaches in college football. If not, I mean, they're right. They're right there with Saban, at least Meyer is. And uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh has really done a great job at Michigan too. Uh, Trav, all I know is, uh, I think you and I need to get Bill's agent on the phone because, uh, that's, uh, it's a hell of an itinerary for, uh, for one calendar here. Yeah. No kidding. We had him on for the finals for the NBA finals game. And just since then, it seems like you've pretty much, uh, been a part of every major sporting event in the last 12 months. So. You were living right, Bill. No kidding. Yeah. I can't complain at all. And, uh, you know, like, like I said, uh, game seven, I, I, the thing about that that I'll always remember is Rajai Davis's home run. I don't think just because the way that place went crazy when he hit it and you kind of were just like, that's amazing. I mean, the, and, and, and I know the Cubs won the game, but when I talk about that World Series game the rest of my life, that will probably be the one thing I remember just because I've been to so many baseball games in my life. I've never heard a baseball stadium that loud when he hit that home run. It's ironic you say that because when we were on here the uh, few days after that, um, kind of in, in mourning, so to speak, 
Um, I specifically remember saying that that home run was going to go down as one of the great forgotten moments because the the Cubs ended up winning the game anyway. So I'm glad if nobody else, at, at least I know that, uh, that that's going to be etched in your mind forever. Cause uh, I certainly jumped off my couch. I know Travis went crazy when it happened and uh, uh, that was an all timer. Yeah, it really was. And, and, you know, to spin it into what we got this week, I watched Urban Meyer's press conference. I was at Jim Harbaugh's today. These two guys are playing it very tight. And for journalists, that's bad news because, you know, we're all digging for a hook. We're trying to find something for them to drum it up and, you know, hype up this game. But they are very tight, both of them. And to me, that signals that this is going to be a heck of a game in terms of if, if they're loose, if a coach is loose, he either knows he's going to get beat pretty bad or he knows something they don't know and they're going to win big. And, um, you know, it wasn't like that in either case. These two are really tight and they know what's at stake. You've been around both of these coaches quite a bit. Is that really out of character for them? Um, Harbaugh, you just don't. Harbaugh's so strange to cover. I mean, because he is very unpredictable. Um, I went to their spring game and he didn't even come out after the spring game. And then, uh, you know, some days he'll give you great stuff today. It was very buttoned up, focused, not wanting to talk about 86, not wanting to talk about him as a player or his experiences or, you know, other than this is just a championship type game. And then urban Meyer, he's always, he's pretty consistent. He's always very business-like focus there's you know he'll have moments where you know you saw a couple weeks ago where he pulled out his phone joking about bringing NFL players in but they're just two different people that's why it can't be compared to the 10-year war because Jim Beckler and Woody were basically the same person and these two are so different and I think that adds to the dynamic of this new the, the new stage of this rivalry Trev let me ask you as uh, an Ohio State guy through and through just knowing how Ohio State's kind of had the upper hand in this rivalry in recent years, how are you feeling about this game going into Saturday? Um, I feel I feel pretty confident about it. I honestly think um, I, I think probably the general theme this year was that Michigan was maybe a year ahead of schedule um, with the success that they've had so far this year. Obviously, they've gotten out to a great start, save that one loss against Iowa. Um, I honestly think they probably just don't quite have the depth yet. I think um, they've obviously had a couple really good recruiting classes so far, but they're really young. And I just think Ohio state, a, they're going to have the uh, home field advantage. Um, and B, I just think they have more talent right now. I think the coaching edge is, is negligible. I'm not sure if, if either side really has, you know, a major advantage there. Um, so it comes down to the guys on the field, and I honestly just think Ohio State has better players right now. All right, Bill. So Travis mentions the depth, and I, I think if you're going to look at Michigan's depth, um, first and foremost right now, you got to look at the quarterback position. Um, any chance that we see Wilton Spate this weekend for Michigan, or uh, is it uh, the John O'Corn show for uh, a second week in a row? Well, that's the big question. I mean, Harbaugh – obviously didn't divulge much again and he, it's kind of a mind game at this point I mean obviously Wilton warmed up last week now that's to me the biggest x factor because with O'Corn Michigan's kind of limited in what they can do offensively and your first road start in the Big Ten is going to be in front of you know 100,000 plus ravenous fans that really don't like you and uh 
if Wilton plays, that they'll have a chance. And I think if Spate plays, to me, it's it's a toss up game. If uh, O'Corn plays, it's probably more 60-40 Ohio State because JT Barrett is the difference in that. Then he's experienced. He ripped up Michigan last year in their house. And, uh, you know, despite the offensive struggles last week, I mean, not having a starting quarterback, you're going to be behind the eight ball for sure. No question. So look, staying on Michigan here for a minute. Now they've pretty much got a, a clear path to the college football playoff. If, if they can win out, because if they win Saturday, um, they're in the big 10 championship game. And if they win that, obviously they're in the playoff. Ohio state, is kind of in a really weird spot, and Trav spent and I spent a lot of time talking about this last week. Looking at uh, just because Penn State's still kind of in the mix here, um, and they're going to be favored again this weekend in their regular season finale. Um, do you envision a scenario where Ohio State wins on Saturday and still gets left out of the playoff? Well, I mean, if they here's their scenarios basically the way I and I've tried to go through every big 10 scenario this week with all four of those teams and even Nebraska still got an outside chance Ohio State wins this game and Penn State goes to the big 10 championship Ohio State's in the playoff that's so weird to say out loud but I, I think they're in because they'll only have one loss they're still generally considered the best bet behind Alabama I mean Alabama is on their own planet right now I, I am going to say that they're going to be very difficult to beat I know they did it in 2014. It'll be harder this year. Um, and then if they win, if Ohio State wins, loses the Big Ten championship to Wisconsin, it's going to be dicey. It's going to be close. Um, so I think those are the two scenarios. And, then of course, if they win the Big Ten championship, they're in. And there's a scenario where Michigan could backdoor as the number four. You guys can call me crazy, whatever. Right now, the four best teams in the country are ranked one, two, three, and four. It's just going to be difficult for them to get those four teams in because Ohio State and Michigan play. All right. Trav. What do you think on Bill? I guess Bill. What do you think on? Um, do you think Michigan or not Michigan? Washington has a way to bet. I don't even know if it's really a backdoor because they only have one loss right now. But I think they're sort of this weird team that no one's really convinced they're one of the four best teams. I think kind of like Florida State was a couple of years ago, minus the fact that Florida State was the defending champion. Um, Florida State just kind of plotted through the regular season, didn't really impress anybody. No one really, you know, I think by the end of the year, no one really thought they were one of the four best teams, but they didn't lose, so they got in. Does Washington maybe have that sort of possibility of sort of sneaking in without anyone really thinking that they're one of the best four teams? No, I mean, that that's exactly right. I think if, if Washington wins out, they paint the college football playoff committee in a little bit of a corner, as in you can't leave us out. We have a conference championship. We have one loss. Uh, that loss is a bad loss. They they got taken pretty down pretty bad by USC at home. That was the most shocking part of that one. Um, but I, I think you're on to something there. I think let's just assume that scenario with Ohio State comes true, and, and we're saying they're in. Alabama's in. Ohio State's in. I think Clemson's going to win the ACC, so that's three. Your argument's going to be a two-loss Oklahoma, uh, the, the Big Ten champ, which will be Penn State or Wisconsin and Washington. So that's kind of the one scenario where Ohio State could – it might be dicey for them. So they're probably rooting for Washington to lose just to be sure. And I think if Wisconsin – say Wisconsin – say it's Wisconsin, Penn State. 
in the championship game. Am I crazy for thinking that if Wisconsin wins that, Ohio State still deserves to be ahead of them? No, not crazy. It's just... I know they gonna... weigh the conference championships so much, but at that point, Wisconsin's winning basically because they're in the West. They lost to Michigan. They lost Ohio State. Um, they kind of just backed in because they're in the weaker division. Um, and then if they get to beat Penn State, yeah, I guess technically they won the Big Ten, but does anyone actually think they're the best team in the Big Ten? Well, there you go. That That's going to be the big test because the committee hasn't had to answer that question yet where every playoff team so far has won a conference championship and it should weigh something. I mean, that's, that's what we're there. I mean, they, they, you get, you got to win your conference, but that's an interesting scenario. And that's what I'm saying. The committee is going to have a very difficult decision. If Wisconsin wins the big 10 Ohio state with the one loss, and then you have Washington with one loss. If that, if that comes true and Oklahoma, which Ohio state, Oklahoma, we, we saw that we know the head to head there. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma has two losses, but that's that's what I'm saying. There are so there's a very good chance the Big Ten will get two teams in. Uh, they they're going to get one in no matter what. And like I said, there's a slim chance, very slim chance, if Ohio State and Michigan play a tight one, Ohio State wins by like a field goal, that Michigan could backdoor into that number four spot. So who would have thought this, guys? I mean, three Michigan top five need, teams. Michigan would need Penn State to lose, yeah. probably right. Yes, they would need that, and that's, they need Ohio State to win the Big Ten. I think at that point. That that's that's it. That's exactly right. They need Ohio. They they would be the biggest Spartans fans later in the afternoon. So, you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the conference championships. But I, again, you know, watching these teams all year, I think Alabama's number one. I think Ohio State's consistently been the second best team, and they're probably the best bet to challenge Alabama in the college football playoff because of that talent you mentioned. Um, not to mention those two guys are the two best coaches in college football. So you got, there's a lot of options here, but, but again, this game, you know, if Ohio state loses, they're probably out. All right. So I think, yeah, I think whoever loses is, is probably out. I think in this case, but I think what we've figured out is I think no matter what happens, we're going to see some sort of precedent get broken this year. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're really testing, whether it's the two teams in the big 10 or, um, not taking a conference champion. Um, you know, I mean, what if Alabama loses the SEC championship to Florida? Then what do you do? I mean, what if Florida beats Florida State this week, then beats Alabama? I mean, they're probably in. It, as crazy as that sounds, like a two-loss SEC champion would probably get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, especially if they were to beat Alabama, but they got to beat Florida State first. So as I kind of put it out there, there's about – 11 teams right now that have a legitimate college football playoff chance, like a good one. <laughs> that's kind of crazy we at this no- point in the season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like last year, we were nowhere near 11. We had like, I think, six. So when you have four Big Ten teams in the mix, you have, I'm counting, well, two Pac-12 teams. It's really Colorado and Washington. You got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You got Clemson. And then you got Alabama and Florida. That's a lot of intrigue to sort out with two weeks. Believe me, guys, it's been keeping me up on Sunday mornings. It's hard to sort out. <laughs> you, Bill, you asked, what, what do you do if uh, Alabama loses to Florida in the SEC championship game? I'll tell you what you should do. You should grab your umbre- umbrella because it's going to start raining frogs, and I think the uh, the end yeah. is near for all of us if uh, if that happens. But um, 
If well, Alabama wins this week, they're a lock still, even if they lose the championship right. game, I think, right? They're they're guaranteed exactly. a spot. Exactly. That's that's what could complicate things if there was this giant upset, which is not gonna happen. Alabama is very impressive. Their front seven's awesome. Um, they, but you know, you, who's to say you can't get beat? I think, you know, if you go back to that 2014 game, the first thing I kind of said when it got interesting was I was thinking to myself, well, Ohio state has talent. I mean, you know, Alabama, they, they out talent everybody that they play except sometimes LSU. And you, you know what I mean? Like LSU generally has talent to play with them. Ohio state had the talent to play with them and they probably still do. But um, that Alabama defense is just nasty. All right, Bill. So let, let's uh, get, getting back to the Ohio State Michigan game. Um, you know, we kind of talked uh, about the the Michigan quarterback situation. What are um, what are some of the big things you're looking at with Ohio State? Um, wh- what are the big factors for them? Um, wh- what are going to be the keys? Well, they have to throw the ball better than they did last week. I mean, if I'm Michigan, I'm probably trying to take as much of Michigan State's blueprint the last two years into this game. I mean, Michigan State had a chance to beat them last week. Michigan State beat them last week with two backup court or last year with two backup quarterbacks. And they did that by chewing up clock, taking away the run. And, uh, you know, JT Barrett didn't necessarily play well in either one of those games. He didn't throw the ball well last week either. So, and a lot of the, that had to do with the weather. So for Ohio State, it's staying out of third and long. I mean, their passing game hasn't been, I mean, it's been good in spots. It's, uh, you know, get Weber and uh, Samuel going. I mean, Samuel should touch the ball a lot in this game. And then defensively with, with Ohio State's secondary is awesome. That's the other thing about this team. If they get a couple turnovers with the secondary, especially on O'Corn, it'll be interesting to see how conservative Michigan is. They were super conservative against Indiana Anna last week, and at some point he's going to have to take some shots against that Ohio State secondary, which is as good as anybody in the country. Trev, um, you know, it, it seems like Ohio State fans, there's a lot of angst when the Buckeyes struggle. At, um, one of the recurring themes that I hear a lot is uh, Curtis Samuel not getting the ball enough um, and I think that was something that kind of came up again last week. Do you do you think that criticism is fair, and do you expect him to be involved early and often this weekend? Well, it seems like once a year we have this debate. Um, in in uh, 2013, we had uh, the Big Ten championship game where Carlos Hyde didn't get the ball as much as some people thought he should have. Um, last year it was Michigan State again where Zeke only touched the ball a handful of times. Um, so it seems like once or twice a year that comes up where we're just not sure why the guy that everyone knows needs to get the ball um, doesn't get it for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, I think that criticism is fair, and I think it's it's probably been a little more common this year. It hasn't been um, sort of like the one-off like it has been in the past. It's, it's been – there's been a few instances of it happening. So uh, truthfully, I don't expect it to happen this week. Um, Urban's Urban's sort of shown that he gets up a little bit more for the Michigan game than he does any other game, and he brings his A game for that as ter- in terms of how he calls the game. So I, I I sort of expect more of that. I don't know. I definitely don't expect it to look like it looked last year, um, where everyone sort of came in thinking it was going to be a good game, and by the end it was just you know it was a debacle for Michigan. Um, 
but I expect, you know, I expect Curtis Samuel to get the ball a lot on Saturday. All right. Well, the other, uh, other key factor here that Bill mentioned was the secondary. I know you've got some thoughts on the Ohio state secondary. Anything you wanted to ask Bill uh, about that? Um, Ohio, I guess Ohio state specifically, the biggest thing, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not a big X's and O's guy. So I know when I see plays and they look like good plays. Um, one thing I feel like I expected to be better from Ohio state this year. And I don't know how much you, how much like game tape you watch of them, but it doesn't seem like they are able to get as much pressure on the quarterback as I expected them to at the beginning of the season. Is this, is this sort of like a youth thing? Because I know they've got a lot of young guys on that line or, or what, or am I missing something? No, you no, you I mean, well, when you lose a guy like Joey Boza, I mean that's the one thing I've been impressed with. Wait, that ninety seven Boza, that's not him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he might be someday. Um, but Joey right now, Ohio State might have the defensive rookie of the year in the NFL MVP, and they were both on last year's team, which is just insane on so many levels. Um but yeah, the, the defensive line is young, but that they're going up against probably Michigan's biggest question mark to me is the offensive line, which has been hit or miss. Um, they, they've struggled to get the run game going and they now they're in game in some games. And in this game, they might be protecting a, obviously a backup quarterback. So that is another key to the game. Um, otherwise I think Greg Shiana has done a nice job with this unit. They've relied on those turnovers. Uh, Raekwon McMillan is just awesome. And, and you know, the linebacker play has been there, but yeah, they're not getting, that but that that might be a product of losing a guy like Boza who despite not having the sacks last year the one thing with him as you guys probably know I mean he was taking up double and triple teams he was getting I mean, two and he, three guys every play yeah and that opened up things for Taekwon and and you know the other Sam Hubbard who came on last year and uh, those guys on the interior so I, I think they're fine um and and again I think Shiana has done a nice job and on the other side I mean you're going to see a lot of blitzing. That's what Michigan does. This is a different defense than what Durkin had. Don Brown, they bring pressure, and they have an excellent defensive line. Uh, the kid from Pickerington, Taco Charlton's really good. So is Chris Wormley up front. All right, Bill. So if if Michigan's going to win this game on Saturday, if they're going to go into uh, the horseshoe and beat the Buckeyes, what's what's the formula? Oh, make it as ugly a game as possible. And I say that in terms of like, you know, control the ball with the running game, get those, get the defense, uh, make JT Barrett play on third and long and, uh, you know, just go from there and make it as tight as possible and give them chance, give themselves a chance to win in the fourth quarter. I don't think they go in there and blow them out. There's no way that happens. Michigan has not won in Columbus since 2000. And I always kind of, throw the trivia question at people. I said, Drew, Drew Henson was quarterback then at the, in that game. And uh, they won that game because Drew Henson had a huge game, but uh, you know, and then limit if it's O'Corn, they're just going to have to, you know, play conservative and try to make it work. If it's spate, you'll know right away, or you'll know when he has to throw the ball down the fa- down the field. So, and of course, you know, Last year, Ohio State kind of threw the knockout punch in the second quarter. So, I mean, get off to a good start and try to weather that crowd, which you guys know that crowd is uh, – are they, they're probably already there. I probably should go park in the parking lot now because I know they're probably already there and getting ready. Trev- yeah, they don't – yeah, they don't uh, 
they don't wait very well. I know I'm going down Friday. Just I'm, I doubt I'm going to go to the game, but I'm going to go down just to be around it. But um, yeah, it, it it really gets up. I've been on there for a couple games this year, and I feel like it's it's toned down a little bit from years past for whatever reason. Um, but I expect Columbus to be pretty active from probably once once everybody's done with their Thanksgiving turkey. I expect it to get pretty pretty rowdy down there probably for a good 48 hour stretch i think yeah and, and, and you know and and obviously the keys for ohio state i mean little concerned after watching them last week just because you know they, they have to get other guys involved it can't just be jt barrett mike weber curtis samuel because at the, and they got to get other guys catches you know they got to get marcus ball involved they've got to get you know, some of the receivers involved, like a Noah Brown and who's been great in some games and has disappeared in others. So, yeah, he's you know, I think that that's coming out party against Oklahoma. And right. It seems like he just kind of went back away and, and right. no wide receivers really stood out this year. Uh, right. Ball's it, actually been sort of a pleasant surprise, I think. Yeah. And they're going to need to use him because Michigan's strength it, it, on that defense. Peppers gets a lot of the headlines. The best NFL prospect on that defense is probably Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis. Yeah. He's amazing. And uh, he might be the best cover corner in the Big Ten right now. So that that's saying something. So, I mean, that, that, that'll be the key for Ohio State. Feed off the early energy. But I know what happened last year. I was there. It, it was a bit of a shock. But I, I would be shocked if this one isn't a tight game in the fourth quarter. Bill, um, the one name that we have not brought up at all, Jabril Peppers. Um, any, uh, I know he uh, has gotten some touches on offense. He's a great safety for Michigan. Um, do you expect him to to get incorporated at all, especially if uh, O'Corn's playing quarterback and they got to kind of uh, reach into the bag of tricks a little bit? Last year they played him at tailback, like straight tail. He led Michigan in rushing in the game last year. That's right. And uh, – they've used him mostly out of wildcat you know a little bit of slot receiver but it's mostly wildcat and mostly they know what's coming he's probably going to run the football it'll be interesting to see what wrinkles they put in with him and uh the one thing i can say about him i I mentioned elliot and boza earlier in that game last year those two were the best two players on the field and peppers wasn't that far behind him He, he is He's just unique. It's weird watching a guy that probably shouldn't be playing linebacker do what he can do. And, uh, you know, obviously can play corner, safety, whatever. Is he a Heisman winner? I still think Lamar Jackson's the Heisman winner. And But Jabril, this is that, as you guys know, this is that opportunity if he were to make a couple transcendent plays to maybe force the issue and and some other Michigan guys have done that, but this is that game where guys just do that, where whether it's Elliot or Ted Ginn, Charles Woodson, it doesn't matter. Troy Smith, Troy Smith, Troy Smith Smith made his career by being a Wolverine killer and he was so good at it. So it'll be interesting to see. And I think last year it was kind of the JT Barrett slash Elliot game. So it'll be interesting to see who, you know, 10 years down the line, we kind of, put the name of this guy on this game because there's peppers is certainly one of those candidates what does peppers do that like it feels like every time i watch a michigan game all i hear about is how you know yeah he's you know some some guys on tv feel like they're already you know sending him tickets to new york and all this stuff 
it seems really overblown. Like he gets compared to Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson turned the ball over a lot. Jabril no, Powers in his third yeah. season. He's got zero turnovers in his career. <laughs> like what, no, what am I missing? They're, they're different players. They're they're you can't compare him to Charles Woodson because Charles Woodson's one of the you know, and Tom knows I'm a Packers fan. I mean, Charles Woodson's one of the greatest defensive backs to ever play. I mean, at both levels. So I don't think that's a fair comparison. I think what he does, he just impacts the game. He he uh he gets tackles for loss. He 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 was leading the nation at that at one point. He can play that slot corner, which is probably what he'll play at the next level. He can touch the football um, on offense. And you think he'll be, you think he'll be corner in the NFL? I, I think I, he'll. I assume safety. I think he'll be like Tyrone Matthew, like that slot nickel. You know what I'm that the new rage in okay. the NFL where they kind of they roam around the football a little bit, like you saw with Sewell Cravens last night. Um, and Tyrell Matthews. So I don't think he'll be like a straight cornerback or a straight safety. But, uh, you know, and I think the other thing, the one thing that he does that I think stands out above everything else is as a punt returner. Every time the guy touches a punt, you it looks like he's going to take it back. So he does. I mean, he doesn't have the stats to be a Heisman Trophy winner, but as far as making an impact on the game, he does do that. And, and that's, I think, Maybe the hype gets out of control a little bit, but he he is a special player. All right. Trev, do you have uh, more questions for Bill? No. What else you got? Keep going. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you know, you guys know. I mean, it's just, I think growing up around the rivalry, and, I, you know, I have family on both sides of it and grew up around it. You know, go to OU and remember guys, you know, were into this Ohio. It's just a special game. And, uh, I never thought it could top 06, at least in my lifetime. And, I, you know, you grow up hearing stories about the 10-year war and how special it was. I think, you know, today I also went to lunch with uh, Jack Park, the Ohio State historian, and Bruce Motti, the, uh, he was the Michigan SID under Bo Schimbeckler. And listening to those two talk to each other for a half hour, I didn't even need to say a word because I could listen to Jack Park talk about Ohio State football for hours on end. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You don't have to talk. So, I mean, leaving it up to them and and for our generation, this is probably, I think the pressure's on Michigan to win because otherwise, like you said, it's business as usual for Urban Meyer. This is what Ohio State's done for 15 years now. They've really dominated this rivalry. And I think, if Michigan gets a win here, it turns it up. If Ohio State gets a win, it puts a ton of pressure on Jim Harbaugh going into year three. Yeah, that's uh, that that's been the the big hurdle right now facing him and in, in this program. And I tell you, you know, just for me and and having grown up watching this game every single year, I can remember so many years growing up that Ohio State in the '90s had tremendous teams and had their seasons ruined by by Michigan at the end of the year because you know the John Cooper era for Ohio State they could never beat Michigan and it's just blown my mind to see that whole narrative basically do a complete 180 over the last 10 to 15 years or so and um now it's uh it, it's Michigan looking they to you know they, they've got it all right there in front of them this weekend I mean I know they're going in as an underdog and but I mean they're the number three team in the country and and you know they've uh, they've had a great year and um, and they need the win. Yeah, they do, and I think you know, um, just it's going to be the emotions of this game are going to be high. I, I know it's a noon game too. I love that it's at noon. By the way, it's just 
that's how it should be. I mean, this, I hated this... the three. Th- I mean, the 2006 game was awesome, but I hated that it was at 3:30. That was so right. weird seeing that 2006 game like the second half under the lights. Yep. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's just the tradition of it. And there's a lot of things, you know, I, I get made fun of a lot. I work with younger guys and I, I, I think there's something to be said about the tradition of this game that both sides understand it. And, and again, talking to Bruce and Jack Park today, they, there's a respect there. I mean, I walked around with them while they walked in the Michigan uh, museum, like the, that they built, at Schimbeckler Hall and Jack Parks walking around it and, you know, pointing out things that happened in the past. This is the best rivalry in all of sports. There's nothing. I mean, I lived around Duke, Duke, North Carolina is really close, but this is the best rivalry in sports and it, it should live up to the billing on Saturday. The fact that Duke, North Carolina play each other two, three, even four times a year, I think kind of, Right. I don't think it's ever possible for it to get to the same level as these do. It, it is. Um, I mean, I lived in Charlotte for seven years, and I will say this about it. They talk, because it's in-state, they seriously talk about Duke, North Carolina basketball 365 days a year. And the the it's it's real, and I don't think there's a better basketball game. So, I mean, those, to me, are the two biggest ones, but... You know, just when they go out there and you're going to hear the booze when Jim Harbaugh hits. By the way, he hasn't never been in that stadium since guaranteeing a victory in 1986. I, that's what I asked him today. If he, had he ever been in that stadium for any reason, has not been in there. And I'm sure he'll get a, a real warm welcome when he walks in. <laughs> Probably will not be the Columbus. Glasses? <laughs> no, I, no, he, you know, that's the other thing with him. Just like guys. a couple of weeks ago, he pulled out these glasses all of a sudden. Right. Yeah, you know, that's the thing with him. He didn't have those on today. Is what he has here's what I think is, you know, the the Twitter stuff generates a ton of headlines. Keeps Michigan in the news. People I went to a satellite camp. Satellite camps are harmless, by the way. They uh if I was a high school kid and Jim Harbaugh was there, I would not be upset about it. So uh and I think he's behind closed doors. He's a football coach, has that team's attention. And you can kind of sense that with his players. It's the same thing with Meyer. Meyer can, you know, there's probably a different Urban Meyer behind closed doors with those guys and why Ohio State has been so good and such a machine with him. So I know he he's easy to get people, you know, that are, he's very polarizing. But at the end of the day, I mean, the results are what they are. He He's a heck of a football coach. He proved that in the NFL. He proved it at Stanford. And, uh, He's proven it at Michigan, albeit with the catch that this is the game where you really have to prove it. Bill, let me ask you this. You've uh, you've kind of told us where you've been this week and where you're going. Anything you want to kind of give us a preview of as to uh, what stories uh, we might be seeing on uh, the Sporting News website this week from you? No, I got, you know, I have a couple more on Michigan-Ohio State, obviously. Get ready for, you know, take a day off on Thanksgiving, hopefully. And then uh, Friday – I mean, you guys know the Mac. I mean, Western Michigan still still got a chance to go undefeated, and I think that's pretty cool for the Mac. But uh, until they play OU in the championship game, so uh, <laughs> the buck stops uh, where's there. PJ, where's PJ Fleck rowing the boat next year? I think he's going to end up. If Oregon pops up open, it's going to be very interesting Ooh. because I think he he fits there perfectly. I, I don't know if they'd go for that, and it's a big jump, but uh, he's not going to go to Purdue. I mean, why why would he go somewhere where he he could already beat half of that division at Western? <laughs> so um, yeah, he he's a really good coach. And then you know 
there are other games this weekend, obviously. I mean, uh, Washington, Washington State's huge. The Iron Bowl will be big. Um, eh, you know, I think Clemson, South Carolina, that, you know, Clemson's still got to beat them. So, and, and of course, I haven't even talked about Notre Dame, USC, which is <laughs> amazing that no- Notre Dame season's gone the way it has. But, you know, as it is, this is one of my favorite weeks of, weeks of the year. And, uh, you know, be able to cover Ohio State, Michigan, which is the game of the week. It's going to be pretty incredible. All right. Most importantly, are we getting a new episode of Angry Bender this week? You know, we're not doing it this week. Oh, no. Yay. It's Thanksgiving, you know, so maybe I have to chill out. But, um, yeah, that's been a really good thing. Our our sporting news video people are great with that. And, Tom, you've heard, you know, back in our college days, you've probably heard the not edited for television rants <laughs> I used to have. Uh, and those still exist, by the way. So uh, as a Packers fan, that, that was uh, just brutal Sunday night. But, um, you know, it, it's good. And, uh, again, you know, b- blessed for all these opportunities I have. And, and I enjoy talking to you guys and everybody else about it. And I always have a little bit more fun when I talk to a couple Ohio guys because it just seems like we all speak the same language. No question. It just just to clarify for everybody listening, um, uh, Bill does a, a, a about a two minute video segment every week on the Sporting News website where it's a, kind of a, a spoken essay on uh, what's grinding his gears in the, the world of college football, and it's become reliably one of my favorite things to watch on my lunch break in the middle of the week, uh, every single week during the college football season. So, uh, um, we'll we'll uh, we'll let you take the pass this week, but uh, I hope Angry Bender pops back up here. Um, going forward, because uh, it's always a, a lot of fun to check out. Yeah, well, yeah, and again, thanks for having me on. And, and I'll give you a quick prediction. I think we get a four-quarter game. I'm going to go with Ohio State. I haven't put up a final score yet. I think like 24-20-ish type game, maybe 24-17, right on that that spread that's right like at seven and a half. Yeah, because that's what Vegas does. I think just <laughs> all the things um, you guys mentioned, I mean, the home field advantage, the uncertainty at quarterback for Michigan, but I think it—it's going to remind me. I if there's a game, it's going to kind of remind me of. It was that year, I think it was Urban's first or second season where they played in Columbus. Devin Gardner was playing quarterback. Michigan was a drive away the whole second half, but they just couldn't get that drive. Don't be don't be surprised if it plays out a lot like that. All right, sounds good, Trev. Anything else before we get out of here? Is that the one where they went for two? And no, that was in Ann Arbor. It was the one in Columbus where I think the final score was like 20 to 14. And Ohio, it was like, it might've been 17, 14 at halftime or something like that. And Michigan just couldn't get going in the second half. It might've been, um, it'd been 20. I think it was 22. I think it was urban's first season. That would have been that, 2013. That one would have been in Ann Arbor. Cause 2014 was when he won the title, right? 2014, 2012, 2012. Isn't this Urban's fifth season? Is it? Was he there? In, oh, yeah, because 2012 was when they couldn't go to the... Yeah, they, they yeah, capped okay. off a 12-0 season. It's going to be like that game where, okay. like I said, Devin Gardner started because Denard got hurt, and Ohio State did just enough offensively, and then they clamped down on Michigan in the second half, and, and it seemed like Michigan was a drive away, and uh, the Buckeyes just got the job done. So I think it's going to be that kind of game, and yeah, because... Uh, that's something Jack Park told me today. Urban Meyer could be the first coach to go five and zero against Michigan in this rivalry. That's how significant that is. That's not being talked about at all. Wow, 
did not realize that. It's a, it's a good I nugget. I think that's that's probably more of a uh, that's probably more of a product of the fact that he got to pile up a couple against Rich Rod first. It is, but you know nobody's. But, gonna, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, they're still. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll they take them in Columbus. Still count, I'm sure. sure. Yeah, no kidding. Exactly. All right. Bill, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, always appreciate having you on. It was uh, awesome during the NBA Finals, and um, I was really glad that we were able to get you here this week. I know you're super busy and uh, making appearances on uh, the radio stations uh, across America here left and right. So uh, thank you so much for taking time with us. Oh, no problem, Tom. I appreciate it. Enjoy uh, enjoy the game down there on Saturday. Uh, Trav, I hope you stay out of trouble uh, when you get down to Columbus. Yep. Save up bail money for me. I'm 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 gonna go all in this weekend. I think. <laughs> all right, and uh, everybody else uh, out there listening, uh, you could always uh, stream uh, every episode of our show at uh, our website, thenailpodcast.com. dot com, and uh, go subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play Music, uh, wherever you like to uh, keep up with your favorite podcasts. I believe next week we're probably finally uh, in earnest going to get into the Cavs. Um, might uh, try to line up a guest for that as well. So uh, something to look forward to there. Uh, thanks again to Bill Bender. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody this week. Uh, it's my favorite holiday of the year. Uh, and uh, enjoy the game uh, on Saturday, and uh, we will talk to you next week. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.